Assalamualaikum Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh How are you? Alhamdulillah yourself, Sheikh Alhamdulillah Alhamdulillah The time is now just after two And we head straight into our very first segment Being and knowing my Lord And I hope that you have your pens and papers handy So I'm now going to be handing over to Sheikh to continue inshallah Bismillah, Sheikh Shukran jazakallah khair Bismillahirrahmanirrahim Alhamdulillahi rahmatullahi wa salatu wa salamu ala man la nabiya ba'd ربي شرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل الأقدة من لساني يفقه كولي اللهم علمنا بما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وارزقنا علما يا ذا الجلال والإكرام السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته الحمد لله all thanks and praises due to Allah till always and forever and love and salam on our beloved Prophet Muhammad صلى الله عليه وسلم the last and final messenger whom Allah has sent to us to guide us, to take us by the hand and to steer us on the path of the Sirat al-Mustaqim for success in this world and success in the year after. Ameen, Ameen, Ya Rabbil Alameen. Salah and Salam upon him, his family, his friends and all those who follow his path, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. May Allah grant us to be amongst him. Ameen, Ya Rabbil Alameen. Alhamdulillah, we're just going into our opening du'a and we ask Allah to grant us sufficient and beneficial knowledge, insha'Allah. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Wal Aqibatu Lin Muttaqin, Wal Jannatu Lin Muahidin. Wal Aoudwana Illa Ala Dhalimin. Wal Salatu Wal Salamu Ala Ashrafil Anbiya Iwal Mursaleen. Sayyidina Wa Mawlana Muhammadin Wa Ala Alihi Wa Ashabihi Ajma'in. Rabbana Taqabbal Minna Innaka Anta Samihul Alim. وتب علينا إنك أنت التواب الرحيم ربنا ظلمنا أنفسنا فإن لم تغفر لنا وترحمنا لنكونن من الخاسرين ربنا زدنا علما ورزقنا فهما ربنا هب لنا من أزواجنا وذرياتنا كرة أعين وجعلنا للمتقين إماما أولئك يجزون الغرفة بما صبروا ويلقون فيها تحية وسلاما خالدين فيها حسنة مستقر ومقاما ربنا آتنا في الدنيا حسنة وفي الآخرة حسنة وقنا أذاب النار وأدخلنا الجنة مع الأبرار يا أزيز يا غفار يا رب العالمين إن الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وأصحابه وبارك وسلم سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين الحمد لله أنت ياسمينا I think we've shukran for that one that we're going into our, our first step and we hope to, just to recap what we did yesterday 
in our lessons in doing knowing our Lord we are at this moment on the issue of the understanding of Uluhiya looking at what the Uluhiya has been in the people before us mm. and so that we can understand when we look at our lives how do we see Uluhiya now remember Rububiya was speaking about Allah as Rabb is where we see Allah in His qualities, in His powers, in His might, Allah in His great names and His greatness that He has, and what we see in His creation, who He is. That is Allah in Rububiyyah. But Allah in Uluhiyyah is who are we in the relationship to Allah? Who are we, you and me? For Rububiyyah is our responsibility to the command, to the advice, to the guidance, to the abstinence that Allah puts onto us and you and I need to carry out that. Now that part is the necessity in the life of the believer and the people who claim themselves the followers of this religion. But so do the followers of all religion, worshipping their Lord is an important aspect. Now your rububiyah can either be for Allah when you do that to Allah or you can be a person with a Muslim like, name like me but unfortunately we're doing a uluhiyah to other than Allah and that is just the issue that we need to understand and that's why we are going through the various anbiya and their people to look at the uluhiyah of theirs in their time and what it did to their belief and their life and what was the results that they got from that so that you and I can see that we live that sense of uluhiyah that must be done against the negative forms of uluhiyah and we went to Nabi Ibrahim and we looked into the life of Nabi Ibrahim and we told you of the issue that happened with Nabi Ibrahim when he was a youngster and how in Akshafak he landed into the fire and how Allah Ta'ala, because of the uluhiyah of Ibrahim, the total submission to him in his Lord and his total trust in Allah and his commitment to Allah and give unto Allah what belongs unto Allah and not separating that from Allah or not sharing that with any other than Allah has granted Nabi Ibrahim the ability to land in the fire and when he did so they saw that Ibrahim was standing in the fire, nothing, he wasn't burnt, he was calm and contented. They could see from the outside, inside the fire burning with a blaze. In actual fact, the fire was so big that many a people who was around, who tried to get near to the fire, they burnt and they died in the process. And Allah has granted to show that that power of the fire in its intent, most intense aspect or point must be able to be a sense of coolness and contentment to Nabi Ibrahim because showing that the power of Allah is greater than the power of man man uses whatever Allah has granted him and he makes use of and benefits him for this, that and the other and so these things are all Allah's power all the fires on the earth all the fires that anybody will make as a fire belongs to Allah. No fire, no thing can go into the format of a fire unless it's the decree of Allah. So that what a normal fire does, the fire does because that is the command of Allah on a fire. And so the role of water 
It does what water does. Subhanak la hawla wa la quwwata illa because it in, in actual fact in total submission of the Lord Allah has created the water to be water and to do a specific job. So the fire has his job to be a fire and does a specific job. But only when Allah Ta'ala decides to change on that which Allah has created, then it can change. But the human being has got no power to make a fire a fire or to make a fire water or to make the great fire, but he wants to see a different result. The human beings doesn't have that power. No human being. For everything in the total creation of Allah, everything in nature is in total submission to the Lord, recognizing His rububiyyah, is the fact that he has the powers and then they this the the, the, the creation of Allah gives unto Allah the uluhiyah of Allah. They recognize the rububiyyah, they recognize the power of that Lord, they recognize his power, his might, his strength, his ability, his his care, his compassion, his love, his support, and that he is the one that feeds them, that sees that they have the necessary sustenance to be able to carry on. And whatever you and my our sustenance is, come from Allah and Allah alone. And so when Allah decides something, it happens. And if it's Allah decides to be the opposite, it does not happen. And here we see, because of Nabi Ibrahim, the fact that he could identify the rububiyah of Allah, and he was always ready to give unto Allah the uluhiyah that belongs unto Allah at all times, Allah Ta'ala showed him, I will take you out of what others, through the thing that they think, they thought that they had the power of the, the, of the, the uh, uh, fire, and they could use the fire, the fire would listen to them, and Allah showed them, the fire does not belong to you. This is my power, and only if I allow the fire to burn, it will burn. Subhanak, and it did not burn Nabi Ibrahim. That was the voice of Sheikh Ibrahim Abram speaking to us on the first segment being Knowing My Lord. This is your program Madrasa on E-Developing Islam in Me. If you have just tuned in, Assalamu alaikum to you and I hope that you have a great afternoon in our company. The time is, we are still in our first segment being Knowing My Lord and I'm going to be handing you over to Sheikh to continue inshallah. Sheikh, bismillah. Shukran for that one and dear Asmina. Um, we, we, we've shown some that uh, just before the break, we showed certain of the qualities that happened in the time of Nabi Ibrahim to allow us to understand the issue of rububiyyah from our side, um, of, of uluhiyyah, of how you and I need to be able to, in, the uluhiyyah of Allah is our commitment and our dedication to grant unto Allah what belongs unto Allah. Right? That is what uluhiyyah of Allah speaks about our identification that Allah is alone worthy of and then grant that unto Allah what belongs to unto Allah. And we do not share that with anybody or anything other than Allah. And must probably a, 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 another thing that happened in the time of Nabi Ibrahim is Nabi Ibrahim as a person uh, 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 was a normal human being. If I say normal human being, I'm not referring to the fact that he's norm. Yes, he's norm like a human, like you and me. They weren't uh, um, superhuman beings. They were ambiya whom Allah had chosen. And they were wonderful people. But if I say norm, I refer to the fact that they had the same feelings and emotions that you and I was living with. 
must probably the same challenges too. And so Allah Ta'ala allowed Nabi Ibrahim to be challenged with the fact that he got married to his wife Sarah and that unfortunately he did not have any children from Sarah. And Nabi Ibrahim got very old. And I say very old. Nabi Ibrahim got to the age of already 80 and there was no children yet in his life. Subhanak la quwwata illa billah. Now you can imagine, you, you and I imagine at the age of 80 already there is no children in the life of Nabi Ibrahim. And for years he has cried to Allah and begged of Allah, oh Allah I beg you, grant me a son. Grant me a son who could be following the path because I'm as a prophet who wants to see that I would pass this matter over. If you grant it to me as a son, well, it grants becomes so much more easier that I can get through to him to allow him to understand your respons- the responsibility with you, O Allah, and I can mold and nurture him to be able to go onto that path. So it's not so easy to invite everybody other. For in the time of Nabi Ibrahim, not many people accepted Islam. Yet Nabi Ibrahim did tremendous amount. But Allah showed us that he as a prophet, even though many people did not accept of him, he did in total submission to humanity to the extent that whatever Allah challenged him with was in total submission to his Lord. And he had his, the strongest form of commitment, tawakkul, iman, and he had Yaqeen in his Lord, totally. Subhanak la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. Tawakkul is total dependence. He did not rely and depend on anybody. And we've seen that in the time when he was thrown into the fire, as what he said to Jibreel. But the other, one of the other things that happened in his life, Nabi Ibrahim asked Allah for a child. And then at some time in his life, he had his wife by the name of Sarah, and Sayyidatina Sarah watched him and saw his yearning and his crying and she listened to him calling to Allah begging for a son. And she saw him and she said to herself, well this is, um, I know I'm barren, she said to herself, and uh, I'm an elderly lady, I don't ever dream that I will have a son or I will have children because for the age that I am, myself and Ibrahim is almost the same age. And I don't think now they will be, it was it must probably not written for us to have a son. But it so happens that she then said to him this one day, she said that in Asara said to Nabi Ibrahim, I hear your calling to Allah. I hear your begging to Allah. But I want to tell you that the, the lady that I am, um, I, I, I would want you to get married to somebody. And Nabi Ibrahim uh, uh, asked her who this is, so to say, that most probably Allah is going to grant you a son through that person. But for me as a woman, I don't think I can bear children. So what happened is she offered her slave girl that she was granted by the king of Egypt at the time, which was a young, young, young child, then as a small toddler little baby child, she was given as a gift, a servant girl. But then Sayyidatina Sarah and Nabi Ibrahim nurtured her, reared her, 
guided her, developed her mind and her lifestyle into that of the life of Nabi Ibrahim and Sayyidatina Sarah. And so at that stage, Sarah radiallahu anha, may Allah's mercy be upon her, she presented this girl and said to Nabi Ibrahim, get married to her. Most probably Allah will grant you a child. And Qadrallah Nabi Ibrahim took her, there's the slave girl, Nabi Ibrahim took her uh, uh, for himself. He's, she now belongs to Nabi Ibrahim. She was a slave girl of Sayyidatina Sarah. And, and Nabi Ibrahim took her from Sarah who gave it over to Nabi Ibrahim. And Nabi Ibrahim gave her her freedom as the means, as the dowry for the fact that he was going to marry her. So the marriage to her was a sacred matter that he gave her the wealth of her total freedom. She's not a slave no more. She's a free woman. She's like every other free person in life. Allah. So Nabi Ibrahim gave her that and thereby that became the dowry for him to be able to take her as a wife. Now, remember she was a child, a younger child, and she was reared in the house in the life of Nabi Ibrahim. And then she was granted this opportunity now to be able to get married to Nabi Ibrahim and she was married to Nabi Ibrahim and Allah granted them a son. Subhanak la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. And then Allah after having granted Nabi Ibrahim a son, like I said, Nabi Ibrahim was absolutely human like you and me. What happened to him as a human being? Now that he got married to his other wife, and she became pregnant and she gave birth to a little boy by the name of Ismail Subhanak Ya Rabb, la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah When Sayyidatina Hajara gave birth to, Ibra- to Ismail it created a situation where Nabi Ibrahim spent the night with Sayyidatina the one night with Sayyidatina Hajara and the other night with Sayyidatina, Ism- Sayyidatina uh, Sarah and that was the norm, and it's Allah's command. One night with the one wife and one night with the other wife. But now, what happens to this new daddy, who's daddy for the first time after he's 84 years old, and his wife has given birth to a son? And he's got a baby now for the first time. I want you to just think of what happens to you when you, the listener, and you're, you're, you're excited about your, your, your pregnancy. And you have the feeling and the excitement and the birth comes near and the birth is there. And the, day, the baby's born and the total amount of excitement that you have. And, the, and you, you all go around the world to be able to allow everybody to understand this baby. So what does Nabi Ibrahim do? Exactly the same. He goes and be the night with Sayyidatina Sarah and tomorrow morning he spends in the company of the baby. It happens today and tonight he spends with Hajara and tomorrow morning he spends with a baby. So what does it do to the woman normally? She had the luxury before to be able to have all the time and all the excitement I had Ibrahim for me and for me only. And now he shares one night with me and one night with the other, which is totally permissible. But he now is also creating an uncomfort. And it isn't mean to create that. It is his natural disposition of the human being that they want to be with a baby. 
you as an adult, you and me, our, our strong link and the emotion that Allah placed into us from Allah, that we love the child. We have a deep sense of love for this child. It's our gift. And, and we treat with so much care and compassion. Imagine after 84 years for the first time. So obviously, maybe Ibrahim does this, but it creates an uncomfortable relationship in himself and his wife of first, which is Sayyidina Nasara, a wonderful woman, a very intelligent woman, an obedient slave of Allah, and of the best of women that walk the earth. Allah has granted her this opposition and the ch challenge that there is and she feels so uncomfortable and she cries out to Allah and she cries and she complains to Nabi Ibrahim of, of what it is and Nabi Ibrahim does not mean to be able to spend time but what does it give? He's in the presence of the, the baby and the baby is with who? With Hajarah with no intention but now obviously if he's around with Hajar and Hajar is also a wife of his Hajar is going to serve him with this and serve him with this but the other wife feels he's supposed to be with me now and I'm supposed to be able to give unto him but these challenges Allah has granted to Sayyidina Sara and also now to Nabi Ibrahim and Allah Ta'ala makes a decision on the emotions that there is and Allah sends a message to Nabi Ibrahim and says to him O Ibrahim Take your family of the mother and the new baby that has been born a few months old and you take them to a place where I will guide you to. And Nabi Ibrahim heard the message from Allah, a Nabi who's total in submission. If Allah gives the command, he goes and he does so. And Nabi Ibrahim takes her to this journey, he, he, he prepares the journey, the the, the camel he had, um, the thing that he placed on the camel for the family to be able to sit in. They call it in Arabic the Hodaj. And they, he travels from Sham, which is Syria. He goes down into the Arabian Peninsula and he goes into the desert area and he sees the process as he travels with the camel from side to side and the, uh, the commanded as a Nabi. Jibreel is there with instructions to what Allah informs you, you must do this, you must do this. This is how you go about it until Allah allows him to come to an area that you and I today know as Makkah. And Allah says to him, Ibrahim, this is where you need to put your family down. And he comes here and he settles there. It's a valley. At the bottom of the valley, it's like almost like playing ground. And Nabi Ibrahim goes into the, at the bottom of the valley and he takes off this thing, the hodaj from the, from the camel. He puts it on the side. Now it becomes a shade for the mom and the baby. But also inside the hodaj is whatever they we place in there, all the needs to be able to enjoy themselves. And remember, there's no market nearby. There's no next door neighbors. It's in the open desert. And nobody has ever, ever, ever been in this place before. Nobody stayed there. There was no other human being. So she comes to this place absolutely. But she's a, such a wonderful woman. She's in total submission to Nabi Ibrahim because Allah has commanded him. Remember, she was reared by Ibrahim. She saw all the experiences that man going through. She was part of those experiences. And she was reared and developed with those experiences of Ibrahim. And Allah has taken her to become the mother of Nabi Ismail. 
And then when Allah guided Nabi Ibrahim to come to this, she was in total submission. She's married to a Nabi who's in total submission to Allah. And she, as the wife of that Nabi, was going to support him in every detail of his life. Until the moment came when Allah said to Nabi Ibrahim, Ibrahim, you need to now proceed. Now, Nabi Ibrahim was a member. Nabi, uh, Nabi Ibrahim identified Allah in his rububiyyah and he saw the greatness of Allah in the sun and the moon and the stars and the rain and the sunshine and all this. These are all the powers of Allah at play. And he saw the greatness of Allah in these things. And he also realized that when Allah commands him with anything that the rububiyyah from his side is a necessity and he immediately responded. And so when Allah said to him, Ibrahim, now you need to move because they were in 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 this place the the um, in this valley called makkah there was no people nothing around not nothing greenery nothing to drink there's nothing we're moving around as animals or anything not even anything growing there it's a, a valley a, a, a valley be amongst mountains and nabi ibrahim is seeing all this and they've moved around and Sayyidatina, Sayyidatina Hajra has now also go around and look to see, see what, is, what is the environment like here? What does it look like? Um, and she comes back to the child and, and, and spends some time with the child and she goes and move around Nabi, with Nabi Ibrahim and they enjoy whatever there is until the moment comes that Allah says to Ibrahim, Ibrahim, you need to go now. Nabi Ibrahim doesn't ask questions. He doesn't say to Allah, yes, but, and what about my family? Nabi Ibrahim is listening because he knows that this is the Lord of the universe speaking to him, commanding him, instructing him. And if he is a true follower of Allah, if he sees himself as a person that calls himself a slave of Allah, in commitment to commit himself to the commands of Allah, he would want to do. So Allah has given the instructions to Nabi Ibrahim, you may leave. So Nabi Ibrahim goes to the camel, gets onto the camel and moves out. And as he moves out, he has just gone a little distance and Sayyidina, Sayyidatina Hajra comes to realize, but where's Ibrahim now? I, I, I don't see him. Uh, where's the camel? He's, the camel is gone. Uh, uh, where's he? So he's, he's probably gone with the camel. And, and, and she looks around and she sees him, he's about to leave the valley on a poor area where he gets out of the the valley going over the hills or hillocks or the mountain and he'll be away when he goes there and when she sees that she starts rushing running to him but you and I must understand it's not an ordinary place where she is it is a desert place nay not the ordinary desert with a lot of sand nay extremely hot extremely extremely hot and um, beside being hot, it's covered in what we say, it's a rocky desert. It's a desert where there's a lot of, amongst the, the, amongst the sand, there is a lot of rocks that pierce out from the ground. And those rocks are hot and burning. And besides that, that rocks, if you rush through it, you probably can go against it and you can hurt yourself. And, and it could be very uncomfortable. So 
she then looking at the rocky and looking at where Nabi Ibrahim is moving, she uh, moves between the rocky effect of the desert and she shouts at Nabi Ibrahim. She says, Ibrahim, 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 are you leaving us? Where are you going? And Nabi Ibrahim is moving on, he's not responding. A second time, Nabi Ibrahim is called, she calls again and he doesn't call, respond. A third time she calls and she says, Ibrahim, did Allah Ta'ala command you this? We are now heading into our second segment and that is with regards to I am a Muslim, what is expected of me, Sheikh Bismillah. Shukran Jazakallah for that, and the, uh, Yasmina. Um, we've just ended with the first segment on knowing my Lord and uh, we were busy still with the issue of what happened to Nabi Ibrahim to be able to look at the Uruhiyya within the life of Nabi Ibrahim so if you do not mind people we will proceed on that aspect we stopped at the point when Nabi Sayyidatina Sara Sayyidatina Hajra calls out to Nabi Ibrahim did Allah command you this and inshallah the, we will f- carry on when we have a follow-up session inshallah in next week, shukran, jazakallah khair. Sorry for that one. We are busy in the second segment now. I am a Muslim, so what is expected of me? In I'm a Muslim and what is expected of me, we were busy yesterday where we dealt with what we call the kalima to shahada. We dealt with the fact that what the, the word ashadu meant about two, and then from ashadu we went to the process that goes in there, and we looked at the, the word of uluhiya. We went into the testimony of the fact and then we went into the Ruhiya and then we brought ourselves to the moment of where we speak about the qualities and the values of Allah Ta'ala is. Now, yeah, when we say illallah, we give the might and power to Allah to worship. It is because we understand His might and His power and we recognize that He is the sole creator the soul sustainer and that he possess everything and everything in the whole universe belongs to him and if he commands them to do anything they will do that and they are in total submission to him and if he wants to use any of them to be able to do a job the opposite of what is the norms only through his power can it happen other than that it cannot happen subhanak and and thus we need to realize that in the issue that we're dealing with at the moment in the karima to shahada ashadu an la ilaha illallah it is we except for allah we need to come to recognize he is powerful and mighty he is the sustainer he is the one that gives you to eat and to drink every portion of rizik of the air that you breathe of the clothes that you wear of the food that you eat of the water that you enjoy but of the health that you enjoy and what happens with the other things around you and mean that benefits us that we know of and that we know of not it all comes from allah and so many things happens to you and me you and i am of many of those things are totally oblivious of that not aware we think we we no we don't we're not in charge of ourselves we don't even know what happens around us many a times that serves us that benefits us and allah sends these things and this is that lord who is the one that gives us health from time to time and when he teases us with a pain we need to be appreciative of the fact of what all successes and happiness and good that we've gone through 
He unfortunate about us, we so very, very quick to complain. May Allah pardon us. Because if we need to look at how little, how absolutely little is the challenges that Allah puts us through in comparison with the favors and how much He gives us and how much He feeds us and as sustainer that He exposes to Allahu Akbar. If we take everything in the whole universe to say thank you to Him, we will not be able to do justice for what He is good to us for. How much does He do to your eyes that you may be able to see? How much does He do to your nose that you may be able to smell? How much does He do to you and my ears so that you and I can hear? How much does He do to our nervous system that you and I can feel? How much feel on our hands and our feet and against our body? How much does He do to our minds that the fact that He has the ability to be able to decide a yes or a no? How much? You and I are totally oblivious, in total darkness. Well, every professor doesn't even know what's happening to him whilst he is enjoying all these great favors of Allah. Nay, all the professors, all the doctors, all the lawyers, all the great personalities with a depth of knowledge is in total darkness. They don't even know what's happening. Let me just show you one occasion. You and me, just let me show you one occasion. When you love something, an example, you're in love with chocolate or a packet of chips. You like that. And you decide you're going to have the packet of chips or the chocolate you can have. And you buy it, you open it up, and you put your hand inside the packet, or, and you take out the chocolate or the, the chip, and you put it to your mouth. And then you chew it, and you enjoy the taste. Oh, it's lovely. Uh, and you feel you want to have another one and another one or another piece and another piece and you enjoy it and then after you've chewed it you swallow it and then and then and then what do you do then? now yes you open the packet you took it out you placed it in your mouth, you chewed it, you enjoyed it, you swallowed it, and then, what did you do? You had no more control. You did absolutely nothing. It is now taken over by Allah. That Allah which has created this body, which Allah has informed this body of all the qualities that Allah has given to it to identify all the food that you put in your mouth. Your body knows whether these potatoes made of, what spices have been added, what of them is good for your body, what is harmful for your body. And he prepares the tummy and makes the tummy ready to take that and to take break that down. And now it needs to go into the bloodstream and go to the body to feed the body. But you and I did nothing. Absolutely nothing. Nay, the professors of this world did nothing when they eat the package of chips. Nay, the great uh, personalities who have great amount of knowledge, they did absolutely nothing when they ate the chocolate. That is what it is, right? 
You and I need to understand it is Allah, the great Lord, that has created this body. It knows the details. You and I need to study the sciences to come to say, oh, it's made up of this stuff. Is, is, is it iron or, 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 or copper or this or that and the other? You and I must study that. Your body knows it. Your body has been informed. Your body identifies it when you go in onto your tongue and your body prepares the tummy to deal with it appropriately. Subhanak. Ya Allah. It is this Lord which we say none has worthy of worship except for Him. We are in our second segment. I am Muslim. What is expected of me? That was the voice of Sheikh Ibrahim Abrams with your program Madrasan E. We are in our second segment and that is I am a Muslim. What is expected of me? With none other than Sheikh Ibrahim Abrams. Sheikh, Bismillah, inshallah. Shukran, Jazakallah for that, Yasmina. Um, to our listeners out there, we have been, uh, 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 just before the break, we were busy at dealing with a segment of Ashadu an la ilaha illallah except for Allah and we went into looking at the powers that Allah possess, the qualities, the value and, and Allah says to us, Wafi amfusikum in yourself, don't you observe my powers and my might? And through the understanding of the might and the power and how much you and I enjoy and benefit and how everything in the universe enjoys and benefits from his might and power and how he shares it with everybody and all of us enjoying it. So is it impossible that we can worship any other? And this precisely is what the first portion of the Kalima Shahada is all about, saying to me, if you can submit like everything in the universe, can identify his might and power and his qualities and his abilities and his strengths that super, supersedes everybody and nobody and nothing has the equality of him and there is not something equal to him in his might and power as Rububiyya. So if that is the truth, are you prepared to accept him as Uluhiyya? As the Lord, which you say, Ashadu and La ilaha, that there is no, I testify to the fact that there is nothing and nobody worthy of being worshipped except for Him. That is what you and I say when we go into the Kalima Shahada and we interact and we relate to that. And so obviously, it makes me then become a slave to Allah. A slave to Allah, if Allah guides me, I'm ready to accept. If He, guide, if he gives me advice, I'm ready there to be able to listen to His advice. If He's there showing me not to go to a certain path, I abstain from that and I do not go there. And that, all those things, my reaction to Him is giving to Him the Uhluhiyya. And this is where we are in our first pillar. By having to say the first and most important pillar in our life is that great pillar. All the pillars collectively has got no quality if this pillar is not sound, firm and solid into our hearts and into our lives. And yes, the reason why many a people are Muslim, but unfortunately not Muslim by the action in their character because they lack the understanding and the submission of identifying precisely what am I saying? What am I doing when I say Ashadu an la ilaha illallah? We actually broke that down for you. Alhamdulillah for now we have covered the first part of the Kalimatul Shahada and then we go off to the second part inshaAllah. So the second part of the Kalimatul Shahada says to us Wa Ashadu and I again for the second time my second testimony is a second time 
testify to the fact that وَأَشْهَدُ أَنَّ تَدْفِرْلِي مُحَمَّدًا That Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Rasulullah. He is the messenger of Allah. So we're looking at this now. But I want to say to you, we're dealing with a second testimony. Now very much if we've dealt with a testimony before, it appears as if we compare the first one and the second one and put them and say they are equal. Nay, they are not equal. Yes, for you and I, the Muslim must be able to understand Islam wants to us. We, we testify to Allah as our ilah in the uluhiyya of Allah and that we will respect Him. We see His might and His power which we all enjoy and because of that we give unto Him he, when He advises and He is the greatest and He has the knowledge of everything and He possesses every quality and when we are in need, He is the best to share with us and we recognize all that, then we actually are now ready to be able to worship Him. Worshipping will then be explained to us as we go along. But there is a second aspect of what we call the Kalima Shahada. And it says to us, and I testify. And I said the testimony now is a total different testimony. The first one, that's why it's called Shahadatan. Two uh, uh, testimonies in one. The first one deals with my commitment of being ready to submit to Allah. The second one is to accept Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam as my messenger. Allahu Akbar. Subhanak la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. So we need to understand, yes, you repeat the same word again, wa ashhadu, and I testify. So the understanding of the second testimony is also and should also be built on the fact that the first te testimony has been developed or is established on the basis of the fact that you use your intellect and through your intellect come to realize the qualities of this, pro of this, uh, this Lord. Similarly, your intellect needs to develop to this highest level that you go and seek the understanding of this prophet and you see his qualities and you see the great person and you see his compassion and you see his care and you see his love and his, you see how he works and enhances everybody and his deep concern that he have for you and me. The greatest concern that anybody can have for you and me is in him. N your mom and your dad can never, ever, ever reach the level of touching, uh, 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 probably the extent of the, the, s the smell of the sweat of him in the relationship of a concern that he has for you and me. He has deep concerns for us. His concern is so deep that whatever anybody else wants to offer you of concern and care and compassion can never, ever reach that which Allah has given to him. May Allah grant us to be of those who follow his path, inshallah. Amen. We are in our second segment speaking about I'm Muslim, what is expected of me. Do note that you can send through if you have any questions relating to what Sheikh is speaking or even the segment, that you can send it through to the following numbers, which is our WhatsApp on 072 
0614-838-0712. Alternatively, you can also send through an SMS to 47913. And just a gentle reminder again for the workshop that's going to be taking place on the 11th of March 2017. This time it's going to be out at Elsie's River, the Siddiqui Masjid, between the timing 3 and 5 p.m. But for further ado, I'm not going to take up too much of time, so I'm going to be handing over to Sheikh Ibrahim to continue, inshallah. Bismillah, Sheikh. Shukran jazakallah khair for that one. Uh, uh, Yasmina. Yasmina. Sorry for that one. Ahudu. Yasmina, shukran thanks very, very much again. Um, I, uh, we are on the second segment where I am a Muslim and what's expected of me. We've been to the segment where we looked at the testimony, the first testimony, the first part of the Kalimat of Shahada, where we were speaking at seeing Allah in His Urububiyya and developing that from Ayyub Urububiyya to the Uruiyya in giving submission to Allah ready to be able to carry out the command of Allah. And then this, we say that there is a second kalima, a second shahada, uh, uh, a testimony a second time and that testimony the second time is uh, also a testimony but a slightly different with a different touch. The touch of the testimony in the first one is all about the Uruiyya of Allah. And the one in the testimony of the second one is where we speak about the Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam and his role. And we've said, if the norm is whenever any of us comes about to be bear a testimony or bear witness to something, then we must be very clear who and what are we dealing with. You cannot go to court and say, I think it's something like that. Uh, it's just dying over here. They won't take note of you. They say, "Sorry, sir, you're not a, you're not you're not worthy of being testimony. You're not a witness to the case." Somebody that witness to a case is specific to the point and exact, and he knows. And for that matter, he gives over, over facts. Right? The same that happened. Remember, we said to you in the first process, Allah wants us to be precise and exact with intellectual correctness and perfection that we identify Allah as Ilah. Now in the second half, we go even further and we say, وَأَشْهَدُ أَنَّ مُحَمَّدْ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ That I testify that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And then from my point of view, I say my point, each and every one of us, our point of view as the individual who said those words, must be able to know Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Must have a clear vision and understanding who they are speaking of. I cannot say to you, I saw that person, and uh, uh, I mean that person or this person or any per- person. When you be a witness, you must say that person and describe the qualities or the things about the person. Uh, 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 that person, he has he has brownish hair, he has dark eyes, uh, um, uh, uh, probably a round or flat nose, uh, um, he's got a broad face. He's light of complexion, um, he has a, a flowing hair, uh, you need to go and, and, and whatever he's worn, you need to know all these details if you want to bear testimony to that fact. But precisely this is what Allah wants us to do. Allah wants us to live to the level of bearing testimony. Nay, not that you and I know everything about Muhammad, but that we must, we must, we must, 
want to develop, to understand Him, to know Him, to come to identify Him and be absolutely sure, sure that when we bear testimony, we know precisely who and how we have that commitment of Him in our heart and we, in our heart and we see for sure that we have a relationship with Him in submitting to His lifestyle and whatever He came with to guide us and to show us the way and the method for what we must do, we take an a pride and honor and dignity in ourselves that we want to live it exactly like him we want to do it precisely the way he does it in from beginning until the end and that is when we call him to be the one that is our role model subhanak la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah and so that is the testimony which is the second testimony and then we say, وَأَشْهَدُ أَنَّ مُحَمَّدًا On his name. And I've called on his name, so I need to know him. No, allow me just to show you what our Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa said to us. He said to us, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he spoke to us about himself. And he said, whenever you see me in a dream, then truly you have seen me. Whenever you see me in a dream, then truly you have seen me. Subhanak la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. This is again. He sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, Whenever you have seen me in a dream, then truly you have seen me. For verily, shaitan cannot put himself into my format, into my shape. And that's why you have seen me, it cannot be somebody else. What are we saying and what's the Nabi saying to us? The Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says to us in the uh, direct translation, it simply is that if we've had a dream and we feel that in the dream we've seen the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, it truly is the Nabi. Nay, that is not what the Nabi said. He says if we have seen him in a dream, then surely it is him. Not if we felt that we've seen him, that we have seen him. No, he didn't say that. He said, if you've seen me, then truly you have seen me in the dream. He means by that, if you know who I am, if you know me, if you know the identification of who I am, like I said to you earlier, we identify him as light of complexion, he's got a broad face, he's got broad soldiers, uh, he's always, uh, his charisma is care and compassion and love, and when you look into his face, you see this nur and this barakah. Now if these are the qualities that comes forth in the description of who he is, and we need to know our Prophet. We need to know him. We need to know his description. Nay, we will not use a photo to want to see him because what, no, there was no photo taken in his time of him, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and no artist can describe him in the artistic process of what he looks like. They lack many things. Yes, the description given to us by the Sahaba radiallahu anhum, that is our duty to research, to understand what was his features like.
Because the Nabi says to us, if you saw me in the dream in my features, if you see in my features, then truly that is me. But if you don't know my features, you don't know me. So you will think anybody is me? Nay, that is not what you see. So yes, when we testify that Muhammad has testimony, we need to know him in his qualities and his features. So it's a responsibility, and as I said, it's not necessary that you and I must know all that ahead of time. But we understand, we need to understand that. And we need to go as Muslims, have the zest and desire to want to know Him, want to love Him, want to act out the life He acted out. But it only happens through the knowledge we seek of who He is. So His features must be unknown features to us. We must come to develop that we come to know Him in His features. We come to know Him in His qualities, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. We come to know Him in His passion and compassion that He had for humanity. May Allah open the path for all of us and grant us to be of those who strive to recognize who we bear the testimony. So we need to be able, and we mention His name, so by then we should be knowing the qualities and the features and the person that He has been, so that you and I may follow Him in total submission. May Allah grant us to be of those. I mean, the time we are heading in, into our final segment being leadership in Islam and its progression. So I'm going to be handing over to Sheikh, inshallah, just to continue and also end off our previous topic that we were in. I am a Muslim. What is expected of me? Bismillah, Sheikh. Afwan jazakallah khair. Shukran for that one, Yasmina. Um, I want to say that we need to go over to the next segment. But allow me just to end off where we, we, what we try to have done is by having to let us understand that the second kalima the second shahada that is in the Kalima Shahada is the second time when we say wa ashhadu and I testify anna Muhammad Rasulullah that Muhammad is the messenger of Allah so here is where we actually testify and next time but the testimony the testimony is on a level different with a different touch the first one is where we looking at the uluhiyah of Allah and the second one deals with the status of the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So we are not in actual fact making a testimony of making Allah and His Rasul the same. Like we say, the translation is not I be witness that Allah is the messenger, that Allah is the, the Ilah or the God or the one worthy of worship. And I also worship Muhammad. No, that is not what is meant here. Our testimony wants to say that for us, as human beings, Allah Ta'ala is the one that each and every one of us, we worship Him and Him alone. And nobody else do we worship with Him, but to worship Him, the method of worshipping Him has been expound and explained, exercised and given to us in examples and being presented to us via the life and the character and the advice of the Nabi Muhammad. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And Allah Ta'ala wanted to do this because every time Allah send a message, Allah made sure that Allah send a messenger to expound to the people exactly what they must understand and how to implement their life towards Allah. 
So if anybody wants to be Muslim, you and I are not Muslim because I want to do it my way. Or the, I, I am a Muslim because I decide this and I decide. No, 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 no. You cannot be Muslim then. There's only one way into this method. The only one method that is permissible for you to enter into the activity and the life and the practicality of this religion is only Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam and if you are not prepared to accept him as your messenger and as the one to guide you then forget about it be anything else you want to be choose to be a Jew or a Christian or a Hindu or an atheist choose just anything but you cannot and you may not be Muslim you cannot call yourself Muslim to be a Muslim Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam and only Muhammad and nobody else besides Muhammad was given this quality May Allah grant us to come to accept this, come to realize that we see Muhammad, that we realize Muhammad, that we strive to want to know Muhammad and want to love Muhammad and want to act out the life of Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam because he was sent to teach humanity, to teach you, to teach the professor, to teach the ordinary person, to teach me to teach our parents, anybody, if we want to be Muslim, there's only one route to Allah in Islam, and that route is via Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. If anyone wants to go to Allah via any other route, Allah rejects that in totality, because they are not guided. They are the work of shaitan. Shaitan offers him many thoughts and dreams and they become uh, uh, um, professor, uh, uh, um, uh, prophets, false prophets with nonsifications and stupidity, stupidity and ignorance and they offer their people all that but they do not inform wisdom and truth and haqq from Allah Nay, so for us to be Muslim, the path is Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam only. May Allah grant us to come to, to be of those people who submit to the path of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam and that we go to that path in the best of manners, insha'Allah. People, I think I've ended on that note for now. Sorry for the inconvenience. We need to go to our last segment, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, um, we are now in the segment called Leadership in Islam. And when we speak about leadership in Islam, we were dealing yesterday about the fact that Allah wants us to develop leadership in our children. And then after that we said, more so, Allah wants us to develop our sons to be future leaders. And it's our responsibility to see then when we nurture our children, when we guide them, when we allow them to develop in life, it must be a development that for that matter our children come to submit to Allah from a very, very young age. So we need to impress on them from a very young age the importance of understanding the greatness and the glory of Allah and make them understand it is the most important aspect of our life that we recognize the qualities of Allah through his rububiyyah and through his uluhiyyah 
we then give unto Allah what belongs unto Allah and they then become the great leaders to guide the next generations in successes for this dunya in success for the state of the barzakh and to be successful in the akhirah may Allah grant all of us success Allahumma amin amin ya rabbal alamin on the portion of the development of our sons I think I mentioned here yesterday to us that when we look at the developments of our sons is to be able to make our sons truly leaders for future generations now I, I did mention to us earlier that when it comes to the father being the sultan in the house the son must be developed to be able to become the next father and so if the daughter if the mother is in sub submission to Allah through the fact that she obeys her husband to be able to bring about a good family then the only way we can develop that fair family from the side of the male is to make him a real father in the future and to give him responsibility from a young age and to make him understand that he needs to become responsible besides the fact that he is become an adult he needs to be respectable respectability needs to be in him so he he doesn't pick up respectability at, at the, the uh, at the police station or at the shopping centers no shopping centers can give him respectability they don't have that they lack that they don't know what that is you cannot go and say to the shop at the shopping center I need you give me uh, 10 pounds of, of, of respectability they'll say to you no sorry we don't sell that yeah so where do you find respectability where can your children and mine get respectability they can only get it at a university but there's only one university that grants them that and that university gives it to them in abundance if for that matter the professors at that university has all that can allow them to take over and give it unto your children and mine that for university is called university of home professor mom and professor dad and they the only two who can allow those children in life to then become in their lives come to take over from the professor mom and professor dad the education to make them respectable decent responsible adults of the future and this is the objective of rearing children scholar says to us we've got one responsibility to be able when we rear children one responsibility when we rear children there's only one thing that we need to do with them is that we need to make them adult but when we make them adult they must have two qualities the quali quality of respectability and responsibility so it's on us on you and me the mum and dad the professors that needs to be able to see that we put into their creation into their life not excessive amount of clothing and luxuries and monies and things being given and they've just taken and have and greed and wants oh no that is they, they don't need that 
you and I have a responsibility to see that we nurture them, that we develop them, that we guide them, that we direct them into their character, in their behavior, and especially when we build their mindsets, the fact that though they think always and that they consider others, and that they always have a sense of consideration of where and when and how are they looked upon in the presence of others. We have that responsibility. So when the child performs, we see Professor Mom and Professor Dad. For our children just leaves behind what Professor Mom and Professor Dad has exposed him to. Yes, my children. My children, my children, when they perform or they act out something or they do something absurd, then the world sees what Professor Mom and Professor Dad has been instilling into them. Because it was the responsibility given to me by Allah. When the day when my son became the little baby and I was excited about him being my son and I loved him and I caressed him and I cared him and I then wanted to give him this exposure to this world and I gave him the sweet stuff and I gave him the, the, the foods and I gave him the, the, the clothing and I gave him the luxuries and I gave him the money and I gave him excessive exposure to all the things in this world but I forgot to give him what he's most in need of that he if he is fed with that, he could become successful in the future. And if he lacks that, he will become part of the corruption of this world. Sorry, I don't mean anything bad. Na'udhu Billah, may Allah protect that we... But my, 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 my purpose is only to let us understand when we do what we must do. When we take the reins in his truth has been guided as what Allah and His Rasul informs us, then we can bring about healthy, good qualitative children of benefit to this world. But if we lack to fulfill what we must do, and we give them everything of this world, most probably they're going to lack to be able to become adult. They're not going to become respectable, and they must probably lack the issue of being responsible. But what makes a child a true adult? is when he is of age big enough and he uses his mind to the extent that he's always in consideration of everybody else. He's then considered to be respectable. So his adulthood comes through respectability and that he always consider everybody else and so he's always responsible in taking responsibilities of doing what he must do to fulfill his role as male or female. And so we are looking here at rearing the son especially because Allah Ta'ala says to all the sons, to all the fathers, now sorry for the way I'm going to mention this ayah to you now, but you know what Allah Ta'ala does? Allah takes Allah's finger and puts it in the face of every male, every man, every adult boy. In every one of them, Allah says, وَأْمُرْ أَهْلَكَ بِالصَّلَةِ You see that you guide your family with salah. 
You order them with salah. You instruct them with applying salah. You see that they perform salah. Then Allah carries on. Allah says, وَاسْتَبِرْ عَلَيْهَا And you persevere in that, in nurturing them, in developing them, in building into them a love for salah. And Allah did not give that responsibility to any of the females of this world. Allah has directly put it into the into the Allah's put Allah's finger into the face of every male, of every adult male, of everyone is that is mukallaf males, they that is your responsibility. May Allah grant us to be Muslimin. To be responsible Muslimin, to be adult Muslimin. So that we recognize we have a responsibility in front of Allah. Listen furthermore to what our Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says. Now I'm going to mention a hadith to us. And most probably the hadith is going to be a look to us that's going to be out of context because it's got to do with some other subject. But in the very hadith there lies this subject that we're dealing with now. The Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, إِذَا أَتَاكُمْ مَنْ تَرْدَوْنَ دِينَهُ وَخُلُقَ فَزَوِّجُوا إِلَّا تَكُنْ فِتْنَةً فِي الْأَرْضِ أَوْ فَسَادٌ كَبِيرٌ There's a few things that lies in this hadith, a very simple hadith. The translation thereof says to us, When somebody comes to your door, you are male, you are father figure, and somebody comes to your door, and this somebody who comes to your door and knocks at your door with a simple intention to want to ask your daughter to marry he wants to marry your daughter and he the Nabi Sallallahu says that that person who came to knock at your door in the request of the marriage of your daughter if he has two qualities that stands out then you marry your daughter to that person illa if not, says the Nabi, illa, if not, if you do not, takun fitna fil art, then fitna will spread in this dunya. Wa fasadun kabir, and many fasad will spread in this dunya simply because you, the dad, did not commit to the command of Allah that your daughter should get married to this person of these qualities that Allah wants him to have. We are in our final segment, being leadership in Islam and its progression. And I'm now going to be handing it over to Sheikh to continue, inshallah. Shukran for that one, Aunt Yasmina. Alhamdulillah, um, just before the break, we were busy with a hadith of the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, when he spoke to us and he said to us, إِذَا أَتَاكُمْ مَنْ تَرْدَوْنَ دِينَهُ وَخُلُقَ فَزَوِّجُوهُ إِلَّا تَكُمْ فِتْنَةٌ فِي الْأَرْضِ وَفَسَادٌ كَبِيرٌ in this hadith, the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, and we said, the translation of this hadith is simply, when somebody comes to your door in knocking, requesting the hand of your daughter to get married to her, and you do not do that, and he has the two qualities in him of the deen and the quality of good character, and you do not accept him to marry your daughter, then you are part as the dad of the day and time that want to spread fasad. You want to spread fitna and fasad. That is the words of our Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The Nabi is speaking to the dads of the time. And he says, 
if the young boys comes with these two qualities, not if he has a good car and he poses and brags around with no 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 that. Not the person who comes with a with a with a with a gold card. No 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 not that. And he says his only need to have two qualities and you please see that you marry your daughters with these two qualities. So the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa is educating you every dad. He's speaking to you. He said, please wake up daddy. Please realize if you want to have a good son-in-law, somebody that's going to be being barakah and nur and rahmah to your family, that's going to be greatness to her. It's not his bank balance. Nay, please. Not how much he possesses or whether he's earned something because of his dad and mom has passed on. No, no, no. Not because of the. Don't worry about that. What about these two qualities, says Nabi? And if these two qualities is there, and you are not the sensible dad, the dad with some sense in your heart and your mind, if you are still lacking at that time as a dad, and you still want to see but this, that, and the other, and you're not worried about these two things, then your greatest concern, says Nabi, is your concern is to see facade, and your concern is to see fitna happens in this dunya. Wow. So Nabi is telling you about you and me. Remember, it's not me. I'm saying to you this hadith, but it's our Nabi speaking to you and to me. And so he's actually saying to us, please wake up. Please, please come to your senses. Please be sensible enough. Please be wise enough to understand it's not the impression of the world that's going to grant your daughter a wonderful life. In this hadith, the Nabi says, the boy needs to have two qualities. Quality number one, he needs to have good belief. Solid belief in Allah and understanding his responsibility to his Lord. Secondly, says the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, his character, his mannerism, his behavior, his ethics must be superlative must be of the best form. Now, if he has those two, those two things, the Nabi says, your daughter will have a wonderful life. She will be challenged. She will be challenged, but she will have a wonderful life for the dunya and a wonderful future in the Akhirah. Ya Rab. May Allah grant khair and barakah to all our dads. That all of us come to realize. The Hadith says to us, one, that if I want to have a good son-in-law. But what indirect message comes through this hadith? Do you know what? Not when my son needs to go knock at the door of somebody else to become the son-in-law. But the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa speaks to me. Not the person who wants to have a good son-in-law, but those people who wants to have to have good sons. The Nabi says, when you rear your sons, you need to see as if you are dads within, with common sense, dads with understanding, dads with wisdom, dads with recognizing what the role of Islam is. Then you will see that you nurture your son, you develop your son, you skill your son with qualities, with all that that brings about good commission to Allah via him. That he commits to Allah. That he submits to Allah. That he understands his religion. That he strives to be able to get nearer to Allah. To guide his family to what is successful dunya and successful akhirah. That he gets sufficient knowledge, exposure 
and skill of responsibility in life to be able to be a decent and respectable Muslim. Ya Rab, this is what the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam lies in this hadith. May Allah grant khair and barakah in all of us. Again, khair and barakah for our children. And yes, this probably it sounds as if I want to speak ill about you. No. I just want to remind you, I love all of you out there. Wallahi, I love you. Thank you for loving me. I, do, I unfortunately love you because you, you say, Ashadu an la ilaha illallah wa ashadu anna Muhammad rasulullah and so Allah has made me a brother of yours and has made me uh, made you a brother and a sister of mine shukran for granted be granted the opportunity and because of my love for you I share with you what comes from Allah and from his messenger wa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam alhamdulillahi rabbil Beautiful words there by Sheikh Ibrahim Abrams in studio. We now break. We are in our last segment as well as our final segment of the program, and that is leadership in Islam and its progression. Do note that you can send through your questions if you have anything relating to what Sheikh is mentioning on the SMS number, which is 072-238-0712. Alternatively, send through an SMS to four seven nine one three. I'm now going to be handing it over to Sheikh to continue. Inshallah. Bismillah, Sheikh. Um, I, I think I need to just respond somewhat to the listeners out there. I want to say thank you for your people's comments and your people's requests or questions that you people are asking. Um, I would just want to let us understand, please, um, we are busy in taking a developmental process where we develop stage by stage by stage. And that's why we've got things, the different steps, um, as I do, we're busy with this one now, then we go into that one now. And we ask if you please bear with us. We recognize and admit to your questions and your concerns. But you must understand, if we are busy developing the world out there and hunting to develop them, that you cannot go to level three if you haven't passed level two or level one yet. You're going to hurt yourself. And I don't want to hurt you. But I want you to understand, bear yourself in your question and try to put your question at the time most appropriate. Now, especially if it's on, on, on your question is on WhatsApp, then we lose it and it's gone if, we, if it comes to tomorrow. We lose it completely. But you, the questioner, the question is important for you and we would want to answer you. But if I answer you now, I'm being totally unfair to all the listeners out there because you are asking a question that you want to ask me on step number three and we are not busy with the completion of step number one yet. So you're definitely going to get pain and everybody else is going to misunderstand where we are. So please, I beg you, we on the issue of madrasa on air. Madrasa means step by step, slowly bear with us. And yes, we are ready to serve you with all the answers as to what questions is. But we, you, you, we cannot ask questions about a matter that has not been discussed in madrasa. Right? So we discuss the matter first on that level. If we are not there, then please bear and have the patience and the sabr so that you and I, we can all grow, inshallah, if you don't mind. And I ask you, Maaf, if you, if you feel that it's, it's most uncomfortable. But inshallah... By the time you and I have gone to level number three and the questions comes in, then you see your questions is you, you see your question relevant to the moment and time and you give, will get the necessary exposure to that. 
Shukran Jazakallah Khair. And so whosoever have asked the questions, thank you very, very much for, this, for participation. And we mean we want to be there with you. But you need to also bear with us so that we can help develop others, especially the younger generation, especially the person who just became Muslim yesterday, who's not Muslim for long, especially the person who was not given the opportunity to be in the madrasa in the younger ages, and here is given. So bear with us. It's not about asking questions and getting answers. That is not what Islam is about, right? Our Nabi did not recommend that we be ready to be able to listen to a lot of questions and answer a lot of answers. It's not going to develop us. Madrasan A is about development. Now Islam in its various processes is all about development. So you cannot want to do the Hajj one day, but you don't know the Salah. And you haven't lived the Salah. And you haven't delved in the Salah. And you haven't grown with the Salah. So you may not go for Hajj because you will make a decent mess of your Hajj. That is the law. You're going to, like I want to take a child, I want to take him to grade 5. He's going to be a total failure. And he might be a failure for the rest of his life because you immediately put him onto the high level. We don't do that. We take a child, grade O, grade R, grade 1, grade 2, grade 3, and so it progresses until the moment comes. He's on that. So please, people, don't get me wrong. I'm not here to fight you. I love all of you. May Allah grant true love that flows amongst all of us with understanding as we develop. But let us also recognize when I ask a question that's not in context, then unfortunately I might disturb the mind of the new person who needs to develop in the process of madrasa. May Allah grant khair. And in actual fact, when the discussion was with the people who came with this idea of madrasa on air, their concern was that we get to our community, start to them somewhat almost at the beginning of life, and take them along so that the ummah can develop and all of us can grow. And yes, many of us has been exposed. Yes. When I spoke to the people, I said to them, remember our people are very good Muslims? They said to me, but there's many of them who was not who for, needs to fill in the gaps of their life. And we hope to. So this doesn't come from me. It comes from the people who really looked at the vision that they have. That they want to see what happens at Madrasa. Madrasa is not question and answer sessions and listen to this question and that question and throwing uh, a million questions around and million answers because we don't develop there. I only get an answer that suits me. So the answers and in Madrasa A we wish to be able to enhance everybody. We all grow. But if, you, if it's something that you know, it's simply a reminder for you. And if you didn't know it, then we are trying to help one another to develop collectively. May Allah grant us all, inshaAllah. And, and I'm not here to break down for anybody. May Allah open the path for all of us, inshaAllah. So yes, in the session leadership in Islam, we were at the point where we were dealing about males. And I think if we look at time that happens now, we must postpone this, inshallah, to the next week as we go along. For we are on the last few minutes of this uh, segment. May Allah grant khair and barakah. And I ask of you, please, thank you very, very much for your participation. But I ask you, please put it into the right time frame. If we are not there yet, Pray with us, insha'Allah, so that I can help you and you can also help me. Shukran, jazakallah khair. Um, let us all put our hands together in dua and ask of Allah to grant us success in this. We will make dua and call upon Allah in Suratul Asr. A'udhu billahi minash shaitanir rajeem. Bismillahir rahmanir rahim. Wal asr. 
إِنَّ الْإِنْسَانَ لَفِي عُسْرٍ إِلَّا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ وَتَوَاصَوْا بِالْحَقِّ وَتَوَاصَوْا بِالصَّبْرِ وَصَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَى سَيِّدِنَا وَمَوْلَانَا مُحَمَّدٍ وَعَلَى آلِهِ وَأَصْحَابِهِ وَبَارِكُ وَسَلِمْ سُبْحَانَكَ اللَّهُمَّ وَبِحَمْدِكَ نَشْهَدُ أَنْ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا أَنْتَ نَسْتَغْفِرُكَ وَنَتُوبُ إِلَيْكَ وَالْحَمْدُ لِلَّهِ رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ Reminding the people of our, uh, um, of our uh, workshop that we'll be having insha'Allah and in two weeks time from now onwards on the Saturday from 3 till 5 at Siddiqui Mosque insha'Allah and that will happen on the 11th of March and in, the, in March month we will also have an excursion hoping that we will get the whole town of other Cape Town all those people who participate with us and we're all going to participate in the excursion because in the excursion we can allow us to see how can we touch the knowledge that we give over in the theory on the radio shukran wa salamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh wa alaykum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh that brings us to a final segment and a final ending of the program Madrasa on E. So from myself Yasmina Peterson, 4 o'clock on the dot. Have a great and inspiring afternoon further. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.